Hi everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the Handsome Dan podcast. Sorry it has been a while since I've been here, but I've been a little busy with kids being home on school holidays and all sorts of things going on, but there is plenty to talk about. So what do you say, let's get that motor running, head on down that highway. episode three of the Handsome Dan podcast. It has been a while, but I tell you what, there's been a lot going on. I've just had the kids at home and it's just, you know, that's what happens. You've got to keep them entertained and when you want to sit at home and do a podcast, which is what I kind of try to do, uh, they they certainly keep you distracted and keep you busy and also there's too much noise in the house anyway. But enough of that. Look, it is a weird old world we're living in at the moment. North Korea and America, who knows what's going to happen there. I don't know. I'm not going to use this as a political thing or anything like that. But, well, it's been something that's been brewing for a while. It is also this day. It is, what day it is? It's the 27th of April in 2017. And I've just learned that the film director, Jonathan Demme, has passed away at the age of 73. He was one of the most versatile directors. He started out with Roger Corman making exploitation films in the 70s, like uh, Caged Heat and Crazy Mama women in prison films, which were kind of popular in the 70s. By the 80s, he was making quirky comedies. And in 1991, he blew everyone away with The Silence of the Lambs, which I still think is one of the greatest films ever made. He focused more on the characters than he did on the blood and gore. And Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins and everyone in the film is just amazing. It is it is damn near perfect film. Script writing, directing, editing, camera work, the music. Everything in The Silence of the Lambs just works damn near perfectly. It is one of the only films, there's only been three films that has won the Oscars for Best Picture, Director, Actor, Actress, and Screenplay. The other two were One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and It Happened One Night. So it holds it holds a distinction and it started pretty much the trend of serial killer films and TV shows that we see now. And it started all the way back in 1991. Novels, all that sort of stuff, all came out because of The Silence of the Lambs. He also made one of the greatest concert films of all time with Talking Heads One Stop Making Sense. He wanted, well, him and David Byrne wanted to have, make a concert film that was unlike anything. He didn't just want to see the band on stage with the cameras in one position. He wanted the camera to move. They wanted it that you, the audience was seeing something, that David Byrne was putting on a show, but it was a film. That's what they wanted to make, a film, and they achieved that. So if not many filmmakers can make like one or two great works of art and Demi certainly did rest in peace Jonathan Demi you made some absolutely terrific films he made documentaries thrillers dramas comedies Uh, he was just one of those really versatile directors very well respected in the industry and just for, for what you have contributed thank you very much Mr. Jonathan Demi rest in peace I honor your talent and your art thank you very very much well, now that we are basically talking about music and movies combined together, thank you, Mr. Demi. Also, I just want to say, if you want to just check something out that is pretty cool, New Order. He did a video for New Order for The Perfect Kiss. The song is about four and a half minutes long, and he just captures the band, playing it live. They're not lip-syncing it. They're playing the song live in, like, this warehouse. They all look awkward. They all look like they would rather be somewhere else. But then they hit this groove, and they get lost in the song. And they take this four-minute song and extend it to 10 minutes. It's one of my favorite New Order songs. And Demi just captures every moment of that. So check it out. Because New Order, they just played Coachella. 
did a pretty cool set. There's a lot of drama going on with that band because Peter Hook hate, hates them. Hooky, I think, is one of the best bass players, one of the most unique sounds in bass playing ever. And uh, he's touring Australia very soon with his own band, Peter Hook and the Light. And they're playing two versions of Substance, the Joy Division version, which was all songs that weren't featured on albums but were released as singles. It's very cool. And also the New Order version of Substance. I've seen the set list. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong playing those songs. And, well, Peter Hook was a distinctive part of the sound. But you know what? I'd still just rather see the original band. I don't care if they hate each other's guts. If the Eagles can do it, New Order can do it. But New Order did a great set at Coachella. I saw uh, their uh, Temptation. They finished their their set with Temptation. And it was terrific. And I loved it. And, look, I think New Order. they, They came from the ashes of Joy Division. One of the great bands. So, yeah, I think they'll be really good if they got back together i've lost myself here a little bit peter hook and the light i do want to go see it there's a part of me that does even though i'm don't go to many live shows anymore but i wouldn't mind going to see that well there's a little bit been happening in music lately king gizzard and the lizard wizard those guys just keep releasing albums seven piece band from melbourne they i think they're more a conceptual art piece than a band they were supposed to be they brought out two albums in the last 12 months, uh, Nonagon Infinity and Microtonal Electric Banana, with Microtonal Flying Banana, I'm sorry, uh, both incredibly different, but King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard are one of those bands, they're like the space rock of Hawkwind and Marillion from England, very proggy, they hit a groove very much, there's a definite method to their madness, I was supposed to make some movie that went with Nonagon Infinity, which was an album that was meant to be played in infinitely i suppose uh you by the end when it finishes you meant to go back put it on repeat and it will just sound like it's one complete piece of music that can be played on an infinite loop so to speak they've got a new one out murder of the universe now it's coming out they've released six songs from it already and it's it's a trip it's all i could say it is an absolute trip i i really enjoy these guys they, they're what keeps me interested. It's bands like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard that keep me interested in rock music, so to speak, because they're doing something very, very, very different with it. So I'm really, really keen to keep listening to guys like this. And yeah, every time they release something, yeah, take my money. It's yours. I'll listen to whatever you have to give me. So thanks, King Gizzard, for their new album. Also, one of the other great bands that are really pushing boundaries is Mastodon and the new album, Emperor of Sand. I dig it the most. Mastodon are a metal band that I think are keeping metal going in a really cool way. Like Metallica is still there, flying the flag, but they're still sounding like 90s, 80s Metallica, whereas King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, not King Gizzard, I'm sorry. Wow, where's my brain? Mastodon are their own beast, like King Gizzard, I suppose. They, they have a very unique sound. I think it's the fact that they use three lead singers in the band. And they just do, they, they prog, they tell stories. Emperor of Sound, Sand is about death. Because one of the band members lost uh, their mother recently to cancer. So the album is about the mortality. Emperor of Sand, sand running through, sand is not constant disappears when it's in your hand all that sort of stuff but it also still sticks around and leaves little traces of itself and i love it now mastodon my my little history with them it was i i like anything that's pretty heavy and they were a band i just didn't get into i remember reading about blood mountain i think dave grohl put it in one of his 
lists of the best album of the year when it came out. And um, I kind of went, I listened, and I, I'm like, I, I, I don't get it. But all, I know a lot of my friends were getting into Mastodon. I think when Crack the Sky came out, it was another thing that I just went, yeah, yeah, they're all right, I suppose. And I think some friends said to me, well, do you like Slayer? And I'm like, yes. Do you like Tool? Yes. Well, you'll like Mastodon. And I found it difficult to get into them. And then when the album The Hunter came out, I was listening in uh, when I was working in the uh, music store and I thought I'll give it a listen and loved it. It was absolutely brilliant. I thought, all right, I'm into them. And then I just bought all their old material and I love these guys. I think this new album's better than the last one, Once More Around the Sun. But Emperor of Sand, I've listened to it a few times and that's a good indication that you're liking an album when you listen to it more than once. So look, Emperor of Sand, Mastodon, they're still flying the flag for metal, and I, and I really, really like that. Also, Roger Waters, after 20 odd, 25 years, is releasing a brand new album. Is this the life we really want? He's got a new song out at the moment, and yeah, look, I, I like it. I like the sound of it. He doesn't sing as strong as he did with when he was with Pink Floyd, but hey, the man's in his 70s now. But still, I, the ideas are there in this man's mind. The lyrics are there. The musicality is still there. If any, he's touring America at the moment on his Us and Them tour. Hopefully he brings it to Australia. I've seen him when he came to Australia, did his Dark Side tour. And then when he brought the wall out, which was something that I'd lived my whole life to go and see was Roger Waters bringing the wall here in 2012. It was, yeah, it was one of the greatest things because I'm obsessed with that particular album and the live show, which Pink Floyd in its original incarnation in 1980 and 81 only did about six performances of but what is with technology now he could do multiple shows with it and I absolutely loved it and when I went and saw it I remember I was injured and I had crutches and the security guard at the uh, Brisbane Entertainment Centre was looking after my stuff and after half time when I went to go out I grabbed my crutches off him and even he said I've seen every show that's come to this Brisbane Entertainment Centre and that's the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. What was surprising about it, uh, I've said a few times, how emotional it got. That it connected you emotionally. You weren't just being bombarded with a barrage of spectacle and sight and sound, but there was a real genuine emotional connection to the show. And I think that's Roger Waters' real gift that he gave, he took he got Pink Floyd's almost iciness and coolness and gave it that heart. And when he left Pink Floyd, that that heart was kind of gone, and it was just a lot of great musicality because David Gilmour is one of my favourite guitarists of all time, and let's be honest, nothing beats his guitar solo in Comfortably Numb. No matter who does it and how well they play it on any of Roger Waters' tours, it ain't David Gilmour anyway. Now I'm going to go off on a different tangent here with music. I'm going to talk about, well, Kendrick Lamar's got a brand new album out. Damn, and damn, this guy is, is doing something. And that's what I've got to love about hip-hop and guys like Kendrick Lamar. Rock and roll, I think, is... There's, there's good moments out there. It's all happening. Rock is happening. It's still pretty good. But what hip-hop is doing, and it was always the basis, because it's based on sample on samples and older music and reinventing it and giving it a new twist and everything like that. So it's endlessly recyclable of what hip-hop can do. It can forever change. It can incorporate so many different styles. And Kendrick Lamar's album, he's gotten away from the funk of the last one, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, but this album is, is something else altogether. I've listened to it a few times. 
and I, I dig this guy. I think he is one of the shining lights in music at the moment. Now, I know some people are going to go, oh, Kendrick Lamar and hip-hop. I think if you're not listening to hip-hop, you're missing something. You, you're missing something there. If you dismiss it, I'm going to say it out here right now. You're missing something. You're missing something there because it's pushing boundaries and it will forever continue to push boundaries. I remember reading someone say that uh, black music has always been 10 years ahead of the curve and white music has always been about 10 years behind the curve. Uh, listen to Kendrick Lamar and a few other artists. Yeah, I'm a Kanye West fan too because I, I think Kanye does something very uniquely different and he, with the way his style of his raps and, and the way that he produces the music behind them. Yeah, there's, there's something different going on. And I think rock might need to take some something out of hip-hop's book there and, and do something to help it reinvigorate. Because I think rock and roll, like any musical style, will have its day. Considering when you think about it, I think most of the real rockers, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about guys who are really hot guitar players, really hot um, drummers, all that stuff, they end up in country music at the moment. Country music seems to be where all the rockers are going. Uh, I think it's because it just has that universal appeal. And plus, yeah, country is almost rock and roll nowadays, that's for sure. I think rock bands, no one's getting excited by rock bands. They're not generating the the, the excitement and the, the fear, I suppose, because it was always dangerous. Rock ain't dangerous anymore. Not, not when it's appealing to an older crowd. Rock is not dangerous anymore. There, I said it. There you go. I said it. <laughs> All right. Let's look at movies now. It's time for time for the look at movies, and I'm going to look at the new Star Wars trailer, The Last Jedi. It's been out for a little while now, and I know all your Star Wars fans got excited. Yes, I got excited too watching it. I like the Star Wars films, you know, even, even when the prequels came out. I got excited. I knew I'd be disappointed, but I got excited nonetheless because, hey, it's Star Wars, and Star Wars certainly changed the way... I look at movies, it got me into movies, but it was interesting to see. Now, Star Wars has become more than George Lucas's vision. It's become a part of Disney's product, and there it has entered a different phase. Whether you like Lucas's choices or not, and I know most people out there didn't, got to remember, Star Wars has now become a commodity for Disney, for Disney to make money out of. And that is why they're releasing a different Star Wars product, not a film, product every year. If you look at last year, Rogue One, a Star Wars story came out. It was a fine film. I really enjoyed it. Would, wouldn't mind watching it again. Um, but a lot of people commented about how there were so many changes from the trailer to the actual film. And they actually totally changed storyline, characters, everything like that. So what you saw in the final product wasn't what you saw in the trailer probably because of uh, reactions from either the studio or whatever it is. Because Disney have a tight rein on everything they do. You talk to anybody who has to deal with Disney, especially in cinemas and all that sort of stuff, and especially with the, the uh, what would I say, the actual um, showing of their films, they know that Disney, Disney are a nightmare to deal with in everything like that. Why, where I'm going to with this is a very good friend of mine pointed out that there's something on YouTube to check out, which is the two Star Wars trailers, the one for um, The Force Awakens and the one for the new one, The Last Jedi, side to side. And they are exactly almost in pacing, in structure, in shot composition, in every way, they are exactly the same film, in, in every way imaginable. 
Now, this gets me, I, my friend said to me, I don't know what I think about that. You can see my friend is just a total and utter Star Wars fan. But to see that, you could see his disappointment. You, you could almost sense that he could feel that there was no love in this, that this is just a purely stuff made by committee, which is big budget studio filmmaking now. Now, this, this is the interesting thing. Star Wars in its original incarnation was George Lucas's vision. He made it in the 70s when film directors could do that and studios would back them. Then it became this multi-billion dollar product. And I think Lucas completely lost touch with why people fell in love with it in the first place. I see what he was trying to do with the prequels and that he was trying to make a completely different story. He was really just trying to keep it to a vision that he had for the story. And when the fans didn't like what he had to say, you could see he kind of threw up his hands and said, well, I don't know what you want. Well, the fans just wanted Star Wars movies. They just wanted exactly what they liked. Now, is this a fault of ours or not? Because when, when you think about it, when Star Wars came out, when Jaws came out, when Back to the Future came out, all those films that we loved in the 70s and the 80s, Raiders of the Lost Ark, or nothing else was like that. There was no film like that out there. These guys were, in their own way, by creating the blockbuster, pushing particular boundaries and George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were at the forefront because then everything like that becomes a huge commodity and a huge business and there's lots of money involved and everyone once big money's involved everyone's got a say in it and everyone has got something that they want to contribute to this Star Wars has be, did become that so when Lucas sell, sold it for all the money in the world to Disney he was kind of washing his hands of it and said you know what I don't care anymore you can have it you can do what you want. However, I have some stories here that I think this is the direction I think it should go. And Disney kind of went, no, George, it's all right. We've got this sorted. We're just going to keep making Star Wars films because that's what everybody wants. Now, when you watch the trailers for the two films, I'm, I'm, look, I'm telling you, I'm going to see The Last Jedi. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to see The Last Jedi. But there's going to be this thing now in the back of my mind that's going to sit there and say, you know what? I'm... I'm just buying into a product now. It's no longer that, that wonderful film, that wonderful idea that hooked me on that January day in 1978 when I felt like I had seen something that I had never seen before. That's what I'm going to feel, I think, when I watch The Last Jedi. And will it taint it? I don't know. I'm older now. I everything Everything's made for younger people. I get it. A lot of... I don't really... I don't get to the movies as much as I possibly can. I'm hoping to see a few very soon, but I, and I know I'll go see Star Wars. And maybe am I being cynical? Am I am I being an older person who goes, "You young kids, get off my lawn," or, or what? I I don't know. But now I just think to myself, this is product, and that's what Disney are doing now. They're getting all after the success of Beauty and the Beast, the live action version. They're looking at all their older animated films now, and going to make them into live action versions the only question i got there is why they've got all these wonderful films it's like disney who have been one of the almost greatest curators of their own history are now going to pilfer their history to just make money because they can is it to keep the history going i don't know but they've got a wonderful animated history and they own all the superhero films too. And I've said my piece about superhero films. You know, yes, they're good. And But how many can you watch before you go, look, you know what? I'm a bit sick of these. 
but it doesn't seem like it. People seem to be still excited by the the whole thing. Ah, uh, there we go. I'm sounding like the old man now. This this is this is not what I wanted to do. Yes, it was. That's why I do it. It's my podcast. I can t- I can talk about and do anything I want to do. Briefly, look. Let, let's get into that. Look, uh, movies. There's another film. There's a couple of films coming out. I desperately want to see. I want to see Get Out. I, every review I've read has said. It is an amazing film. Directed by Jordan Peele from Key and Peele. I've only just got into these guys. If you haven't yet, uh, get into them. They're fantastic. I love them. Also, I want to go and see The Lost City of Zed, which is about a, a, a British explorer going into the Amazon to find an ancient uh, civilization. I love things like that. I've seen the trailer. Check it out if you haven't seen the trailer. It's very apocalypse now, Heart of Darkness, Joseph Conrad. That's my favorite things on planet Earth. My favorite book, my favorite film, Apocalypse Now and Heart of Darkness. I'll be seeing The Lost City of Zed. It's got Charlie Hunnam in it from Sons of Anarchy. And um, it's directed by James Gray. I've never really gotten into his films yet. But the reviews I have read of Lost City of Zed have all been pretty damn positive. So I'm going to go and see them. And when I do, of course, I'm going to come here and I'm going to talk about it and talk your ear off. But get out. Ooh, that's that's got some screenings this week, and I'm going to try and get to see that. That's for sure. Now, th- television. If you haven't seen Thirteen Reasons Why on Netflix, check it out. Absolutely. Some people have criticised it. its depiction of um, we're getting some deep territory here, but its depiction of teen suicide. But I think the film, the television series, is worth watching. It's, it's brilliantly made, brilliantly acted and written. But also, it just goes to show. And it should be shown to teenagers, actions have consequences. No matter what, how small your action is or how trivial you think it might be, all actions have consequences. And that's what I love about 13 Reasons Why. Absolutely fantastic show. Also, as I am a fan of Hollywood, I have been loving Feud, Betty and Joan, uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Their rivalry in making the movie Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and also about Hollywood in the 60s. And look, I, I'm thinking Jessica Lang, who plays Joan Crawford and Susan Sarandon playing Betty Davis. I love watching great actors do great work and to watch it on a weekly television show has been an absolute joy to watch. And Alfred Molina playing Robert Ulrich, the film director, who would go on to make The Dirty Dozen and all these really fine macho pictures of the late 60s and early 70s. And I like my macho pictures from the late 60s and early 70s. There was something really going on with the male American psyche back then. And I was really into it. But yeah, if you haven't checked it out, however way you want to watch it, Feud, Betty and Joan, and also 13 Reasons Why, they're all getting the big thumbs up from me. And uh, yeah, I, I just love these shows. It's, it's, it's good. Considering we're living in a world where everyone's wondering about what North Korea and America are going to do, there's all this really cool stuff going on. And that's what I've got to like about it. There's, there's so much good stuff. Oh, wow, you can hear that. I think there's some helicopters going over me right now. Possibly military. You never know what is going to happen. Might even get a chance <laughs> to, to talk about these things anymore. Anyway, that's it for episode three. Thanks very much for listening. You get this on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. I don't think it's called iTunes anymore. Please leave a rating. Tell me you like it. And the more you rate it, the better it ranks. And then I'll be able to do more. And I promise I'll get episode four out there for all you faithful listeners a bit earlier as I've got some time to do it. Thank you very much for listening. I am signing out of here. Dan Dixon's podcast. Dan some Dan podcast.